Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 245, episode 2 of Dirt Daily Zeitgeist, a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's share consciousness. It's Tuesday, July 12th, 2022. My name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. Jurjaxic World Dominion. You know, sometimes we do song parodies up here during the AKs, but I wanted to just do an old-fashioned nickname that a lot of people are calling me and your jacksick world no colon dominion is a name i'm known as i am also known as uh fka your park and <laughs> i'm thrilled to be joined uh by a very special guest co-host one of the eps on this very network he's the king sting that bitch on twitch it's dj Ooh. daniel goodman dj daniel aka jurassic world dj dan minion okay Boom. Nice. hit him with the explosion happy to be here jack how you doing get get off my uh get off my corner man that's, I, I'm, the, I'm the guy that is known as drew jack world uh Dominion. Yeah, no, that's my bad aka I didn't mean to take yeah, no, that's my bad. I didn't mean to take that from you. Well, unexpectedly, another another <laughs> day without Miles. Uh, we do believe he yeah. will be back soon. But we are thrilled, first of all, to be joined by you. Oh, stop. DJ, oh, Daniel. Uh, oh, we are geez. also thrilled to be joined in our third seat by a brilliant writer, speaker, social justice educator who's written for Ebony, Complex, Out, The Root, and appeared on NBC News, BuzzFeed, Vox, among many others. There are also a fellow of the Next Up program and the resulting show, BFF, Black Fat Femme, drops its first episode today. 
Please welcome Dr. John Paul Higgins. Hello, everybody. I'm so excited to be here. I wish I had a song to sing um, in the style of Miles, (laughs) but I don't have anything prepared. That's that is fine. Your presence is plenty. How, How are you on this? Maybe not your first day as a professional podcaster, but your first day with BFF out in the world. You know what? It is just it's it's an interesting feeling. So I was telling my huh bothering. I you know yeah. I was telling. It's funny because my mom texted me and was like, "How do you feel about your podcast coming out this week?" And I was like, "Mom, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> why are you texting me this? Like this? I'm already stressed out. So I'm like, now I know my mom is going to be listening, and it's going to be just it's it's interesting. So shout out to my mom, but." Ultimately, I feel very, very excited. I feel uh, grounded in a weird, odd way. When I first started the whole process of Next Up, I was really nervous about the podcast experience because I was like, oh, my God, I'm on a real network. Mm. Um, you know, I'm not just doing it for my random office in my, my apartment. But now it just feels so real. And, and everyone at iHeart has been amazing and so What's the word? I, not even supportive. Like you all are literally like a family now. So I'm really, really mm. excited to to be in 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 good company. Thank you. We're so thrilled much. to have but you. Truly, yeah, truly, truly a thrill to have you, and a thrill to have you on TDZ. Yeah. Yes. So we're gonna get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First, a couple of the things we're talking about. Uh, we're going to bring on super producer Trisha Mukherjee to Ooh. talk about a story. This is gonna be. Her debut as a Daily Zeitgeist correspondent. Wow. Our first Daily Extremely Zeitgeist rare. correspondent. But <laughs> Trisha is very brilliant. And we wanted to like get her doing some research, bringing, bringing the heat on some stories that she was interested in. And the first one we've got is about how to sue corporations to hold them accountable for climate change. Mm. So that's that's exciting. I've, Hell yeah. I think a lot of people wonder about this and say, well, why don't we just sue the oil companies? That's the only thing they will ever listen to. I have my reasons. I'm skeptical of this approach that I, I will bring up, but it's at least interesting to, to know more. And I don't know, maybe, maybe it'll work out. Then we'll just talk about, well, okay, so Bloomberg uh, released a thing of like top cities for singles. Um, mm. And their number one was Wichita, Kansas. And they had a okay. bunch. They had a bunch in Texas that were like in the like half of the top five were in deep red states. So we're just going to talk about old media being, or I guess you know the mainstream corporate media being in a different reality from the rest of us. We might talk about covert food habits. I don't know how brave I'm feeling, Cold. but somebody mentioned please. Okay, all right, please. Let's talk about this one. Somebody mentioned that they eat burritos by opening a hole in mm. the burrito and mm. then sucking the insides out like yep. wait what yes <laughs> so a writer for the oh, takeout okay. was like so finally i've like come to terms with like this is not weird lots of people eat their burrito like you know edgar and men in black consumes that farmer and <laughs> i don't know is it it seems i so i i just want to like get all the all the weird food habits out there because i yeah, definitely have a couple strange ones oh no, no need sure. to feel uh mm-hmm. you were saying oh for sure that i that i have some strange ones right oh well you but also <laughs> all of us i can't wait to expound oh, upon for this one. sure you i got are, some weird ones yeah. 
revolting. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to talk about that, all of Mm. that, plenty more. But first, John, we like to ask our guest, what is something from your search history that is revealing about who you are? So I'm a very inquisitive person. And one of the things that I have searched uh, recently is who is Julia Fox and why does (laughs) the world hate her? Um, It seems like every time... I don't know. I just feel like I see her name. It, her name is always associated to some type of hatred. Mm. It just was like, I don't know. Who, one, I have no idea who this lady is. But even <laughs> more, why Why does everyone hate her? Like, what did she do that's so terrible? And honestly, I just, I think it's one. Of, I call it the Kardashian syndrome, mm. where everyone just kind of hates the Kardashians to hate them. Mm. I'm not a fan. I will say very outwardly, I'm not a Kardashian fan either. But I am very intrigued as to who is this woman and what she did to make the world hate her. Mm. So I'm just kind of following it with my left eye, not really mm. giving it too much attention. But mm. uh, it is something that is on my radar. So Julia Fox is the actor from Uncut Gems. Uncut Gems. Yeah, Uncut Gems. And <laughs> is really good in that movie. Really uh, good in a Steven Soderbergh movie that I can't remember the name of. Uh, there was like a period piece that came out fairly recently. Mm-hmm. And and she dated kind of Kanye. And I think that's mm. when it, people were like, no. Yeah. Okay. I feel like it's just general. Like, I, you know, she, there have been some quotes that people have pulled and been like, see, Julia Fox is the worst. But the longer I've done a a job that requires me to pay attention to the news, the more I realize that you can make anyone seem like anything by pulling Truly. the right, right quote. Right. And th- this just feels like a lot of hate to me that, like, I don't mm-hmm. know, it's fr- coming from not necessarily the the most well-intentioned places and people. A hundred percent. Right. And also when the, the spotlight is cast upon you so rapidly, so quickly, it's like, who is mm. ready for that moment precisely? And all of the random baiting questions that get thrown at you, it's like every opportunity is an opportunity for someone to be like, well, let's maybe reveal something stupid about this person so we can sauce them on the internet for a week straight. And it's just unfair. Mm. I would say John is ready for the for the spotlight, but nobody else that I've ever encountered. Facts. <laughs> <Yeah. Hey>, I'm, <laughs> I'm ready. Yeah. What during your search did did you come across? Did you come up with any opinion, or you're you're just monitoring? You're just letting the world I, know you're on it. I'm just I'm just monitoring it. I don't think I really <laughs> have a position. Yeah. I think it's just one of those things. Oh gosh, I'm probably gonna get in a lot of trouble. See, I keep I'm gonna I'm gonna step in some mud here. I don't care about step in it like white women enough <laughs> to like follow them like, <laughs> like white lady things and i feel like this mm-hmm. is a very white lady conversation and so like i opened the the article and i was like oh whatever bye like it just okay. it didn't feel like it was enough for me to actually like engage mm. in the conversation like mm-hmm. if someone like i mean beyonce everyone knows i'm a huge beyonce fan i'm gonna engage in that conversation but like with like Julia Fox and the world hating her, it's like, oh, so sorry, lady, you're rich and people don't like you. Oh, well. Mm. So that's kind of what the conversation was for me. It was just I poked my head in, looked around and was like, oh, another white lady on the Internet that people don't like. All right. Got to go. Mm. Like it just it felt like I had more better things to do. So, yeah. yeah. What is something you mm-hmm. think is underrated? So I had tweeted something about this yesterday 
I find on social media that there are a lot of people who always want to be the smartest person in the room. Mm. The underrated yes. thing for me is sometimes it's okay to not have a thought, an uh, opinion, or a hot take. Like, wow. it's okay for you to not be the smartest person in the room. Like, I even said, I have a doctorate degree, and I don't even pretend to act like I know everything. Like, I just don't. <laughs> like, I genuinely will speak on things that I think need to be spoken on, and then there are just some things that I'm just like, I don't really have an opinion on that. Like, I just don't go. care. And I think every, I think we really need to like, I feel like if we got, we're more invested in not always trying to be the smartest person on the internet. Yes. I feel like the internet would be a much more enjoyable place. Mm. I think that's such a novel idea to not say something when you have no idea what you're talking about. Mm. Yep. I yep. definitely find in those scenarios, you know, in, in our overly connected world of Twitter, you probably have seen a thought that uh, maybe speaks or puts to words your opinion in a way that's mm -hmm. informed and smart and said by someone who has done the research. And rather than simply parrot what they're saying in your own words that are kind of come out stilted or maybe not 100% baked, I just hit the old retweet. And then you yep. know what you do? You give that person the power. You you like give that person the platform and the stage. And you know what? You can leave your voice out of it. Mm -hmm. So and I really I appreciate that, that a lot. Mm -hmm. yeah. That part, I, I simply will just say that part or, oh, my gosh, this is awesome. Mm. Or like, yeah. I am so glad someone finally said it. Like, you don't <laughs> always have to be that person to regurgitate an idea. And it's yeah. just but you know what? I think what I was more speaking to, there is someone that I engage with on 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 the Insta, um, Insta like Twitter, just everywhere. And this person always seems to want to take your thought in like like what do you mean here? What are you doing? And I'm like, okay, I'm not doing this. So I have them muted now, but it's mm. one of those, like, that's what I was specifically speaking to was those individuals who always seem to want to, like, engage in something that and make it more than what it really is. It's really annoying. Mm. So. Yeah. And, and that person right them. now is repeatedly asking you, but what do you mean? No, seriously, like, right here, what do you mean? <laughs> what do you, like, just in a, in a vacuum, just in the vacuum of space by themselves, just... I got to say, just as an addendum, I have made it my job with this podcast, uh, part of my job, to be the dumbest person in the room with like <laughs> a really brilliant series of uh, co-hosts or Miles when he's around and just brilliant guests. And that is... Uh, you do it so well. Highly. Thank you so much. <laughs> that is a wonderful, you know, you learn, you get better, and you just openly embrace... Your, your stupidity. I highly recommend it. It's fun sometimes to embrace that. What is something you think is overrated? So I went back and forth with this. I had another thought right before I got on my Peloton bike. And I mm -hmm. said to myself, social media, Instagram fit culture. It's mm -hmm. overrated. And what I mean mm -hmm. by that is I have no, I have people constantly. So I post daily, like what, what rides I take on my Peloton just because I have a lot of friends who are always like, I don't have enough time to really like curate a ride. Like, can you tell me what ride or who you think is the best? So I just post my stuff in my stories for my friends to see. Well, what ends up happening is, is when I post in my stories or when I post on my like actual page, all of these Instagram social media like fit follower people will come and be like, do you want to lose weight? Do you want to do this? And it's like, no, I actually don't want to lose weight. I just no, ride my Peloton because I am black, fat and queer and I live in a world that hates me and I have to do something to get all of this energy out. Mm. And so I'm always kind of like, just leave me alone. And so one of the thoughts that I had connected to that is 
It's just how awful a lot of the Instagram fit culture is. And I, I was just thinking to myself, a lot of them are angry because they're hungry. Like you rag on people like myself because you have an attitude because Mm. you have not been able to eat. All Mm. you've had today is a carrot and some air. Like, (laughs) get away from me. (laughs) Like, leave me alone. Don't be mad at me because I enjoyed two tacos yesterday and Mm. you didn't, you couldn't do that. Right. So I don't know. I'm just, I'm really over Instagram fit culture. I'm over this idea that starving yourself is like going to make you somehow better. I'd rather just eat because who knows when we're all going to get hit by an asteroid. Right. Uh, it's it's coming very fast. So I'm just kind of like, I'm here and I I, I don't want to be hungry when that happens. <laughs> Definitely agreed on the eating part. I'm with that a thousand percent. Just yeah. eat, do it. What is something you've learned from, you, you kind of alluded to sort of the premise of BFF and like, you know, feeling like society hates you. What is something that like you've learned from making the, the show? Wow, I... Well, well, now I feel like Beyonce. Well, uh, what are my aspirations? <laughs> no, I. <laughs> um, no, I. What have I learned from making the po- uh, from the podcast? I think for me, it's you know, there's there's something in this world where it's like we all find. I feel like I'm getting ready to go into my speaker voice, but we all we all kind of learn how to talk about things that we're passionate about. And we all learn how to kind of like stand in our authenticity in some type of way, right? Like there are people who authentically stand in the idea that having an Android is a good idea. Like there are people <laughs> who have ideas that, you know, you know, certain foods or certain artists are great or whatever, right? Like we yeah. learn to stand in that authenticity in a way. And I think for me, kind of being serious, like this podcast really allowed me to say, I'm going to put all of me in front of this mic mm. and I'm going to leave it there in a way that no one has ever done. And it didn't hit me until actually one of the the really big, important people from iHeart called me and said, you know, I just wanted to check in and see how the podcast is going. But I really want to make sure that I reiterate how, like, revolutionary this is. Mm-hmm. Do know that there are very few podcasts anywhere that are specifically focusing on intersectionality in the way that you're doing it. And so that kind of, like, blew my mind that it's like, I'm really putting myself out there in front of a microphone for people and and really standing in that in a way that for years I was so afraid to do. And I think that that for me is the one thing that I learned. Like once you've learned to fully accept who you are and you tell the world you're going to get it, whether you like it or not, um, <laughs> how much better the world for yourself becomes. So, yeah. Amazing. Have you felt that bleed over to personal just as, as somebody who is more outgoing on mic than in personal settings like is that something that you feel you've like been able to kind of incorporate into the rest of your life or i, I don't know i was just curious as you were describing yeah. that i think for me the big the bigger part is being comfortable with being non-binary there was a moment you know like when i first got my nails done where i was really nervous about how people were going to interact mm. with me it was the first time I ever wore heels, the first time that I ever really wore, because, you, know, you know, most places don't carry clothes in my size. So the first time that I ever, like, ordered from Shein and found something I was really comfortable in and wore it, it was just, it, there are moments where I have to kind of, like, check myself and say, this is who you are, and this is what people are just going to have to deal with. Um, And I think that that's what, you know, the Black Fat Femme podcast is, is you're getting a very, like I said, not even just authentic, but you're getting a real take on what it's like to be me in a Mm. world where it's like I constantly have to kind of like 
in, in, in different conversations, it's like, you can only be black or you can only be queer or you can only be fat. You can't be all three, mm. right? Like there's no, there, there are very few spaces that I feel like I can talk about what that journey is. And so when it, when I'm talking about the idea that it costs an arm and a leg for me to go buy something from Torrid and having my co-host be like, yeah, girl, Torrid's clothes are terrible, but did you hear about this? Mm. That place actually does really well for non-binary people. Like that kind of stuff is what this podcast is. And so I'm just really excited to find finally be able to be in a place where like I feel like I've fully accepted myself and said you know while y'all are laughing at me I'm laughing to the bank <laughs> because because now I have a pretty decent you know you know my bank account looks nice because I get to be my authentic self mm-hmm. and so that's the thing I think for me where it's bleeding over that I can actually afford to shop at places that carry 4x and 5x mm. so amazing well everybody amazing, needs to go really. check it out it's truly an amazing yes. show BFF Black yeah. Femme. Its first episode is out today. Well, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and we will talk with super producer Trisha. Hey, fam. I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, a daily podcast from Hello Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Every weekday, we bring you conversations with the culture makers who inspire us. Like our recent episode with Hollywood royalty Regina and Raina King. We talked about the creative power of women's relationships. I feel like, thank God for women. Like, especially when it comes to Black women, the way we lean on our mothers, our grandmothers, our sisters, our friends. We're just each other's pulse. I mean... It's molecular, you know? Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A., I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back, and we are thrilled to be joined by super producer Trisha Mukherjee. Trisha, how are you doing? Hello, I'm doing really well. It was is my your mom's birthday yesterday. You? My oh. phone is still with me, but I oh, lost goodness. it several times, Chuck, but it was like minor, more minor incidents than okay, the elevator minor. incident and the kid taking incident. Right. Trisha <laughs> lost her phone through the tiny little slot, like the almost geometrically impossible task of losing your phone yeah. through the slot between the <laughs> elevator and the floor and then a child like stole her phone and <laughs> tried to take it away from her within the span of two days. Yes. And I've been telling her she needs to get rid of it, uh, that mm-hmm. that phone is trying mm-hmm. to escape for a reason, but that's probably not good advice. Also, I, I interrupted you, but you were saying it was your mom's birthday. Happy birthday yes. to your mom. Oh, Happy thank birthday. you. She'll be thrilled to hear that. Yeah, <laughs> big fan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right let's talk about the first your first story as uh the daily zeitgeist correspondent super producer trisha what what have you got for us yay okay thank you for having me so the story that i have today is about the general topic of suing companies that are polluting our air water etc producing a lot of carbon emissions And so the specific case that got me into this topic was a Peruvian farmer who lives near Juarez, which is a city in the western part of Peru. This farmer's name is Saul Luciano Liuya, and he's suing a German utility company called RWE. So it's quite an interesting case because he, I guess his basis for the lawsuit is that RWE has been producing point for 7% of the cumulative global industrial emissions of carbon and methane between 1751 and 2010. And 0.47 mm. isn't a lot, like that's a kind of tiny number. But his claim is that because the emissions from this company's activities are leading to ice avalanches and glaciers melting, and the lake near his city is rising and threatening to flood his city and cause a lot of damages, RWE should pay 0.47% of the cost of repairs and also protection from climate change. Now again, for RWE, that is a tiny amount of money. It comes out to around 20,000 euros and their total profit is 24.5 billion euros in just one year in 2021. So to them, it's nothing more than a rounding error. But this case is quite interesting because it sets a precedent of 
Can I sue a company that's based half the world away for causing emissions that don't really have boundaries in who they affect uh, and when they affect people and how they affect people? Am I right in that? And in addition, how do we use this method to hold polluters accountable. So I'm sure we can get into this more, but it's very hard to prove that for this farmer that RWE is the direct cause of the glacier melting near his house and that causing mm. the flooding. So in addition to that burden of proof, there's a lot of complications where these companies have so much money, so much legal power behind them. And so instead of being like, okay, we'll pay and help you with this thing that you're struggling with, they sue you back and then you have to protect yourself against them instead of uh, instead of working on suing them for the damages that they've caused. So yeah, we can get into that more later, but it's just... It's it's an interesting strategy, yeah. especially since we've seen so much failure from our governments in terms of protecting us from climate change. So if we can't rely on them, is this one way that we can try to address it? I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Is Did, did they pick RWE because Germany has like favorable laws? Because I'm just looking at like the mm -hmm. global emitters, 1988 to 2015. Yeah. And like they've got, you know, Chinese coal is the number one with like 14%, but then you've got Saudi Aramco, Gazprom of Russia, ExxonMobil is at number five with like 2%. Right. So I'm just curious because like that that is the main issue I see. Like I, I know the story of Don, Stephen Donzinger, who successfully mm -hmm. sued Chevron in Ecuador, mm -hmm. uh, won a massive lawsuit because they were like directly... <laughs> like killing people with their literally yeah just like dumping poison into the environment of indigenous people down there and he sued them won a case down there and then chevron basically made his life so miserable that he was on house arrest for like mm. a, a couple years and so that's i think that is my the question that pops up for me is like are we like going to just be able to like pick international companies apart like using this and like how do we bring it back to u.s companies like chevron mm -hmm. right but it, i mean yeah. it is like it does seem like one of the things that we need to figure out right mm -hmm. to get Most them, certainly to get something to change right exactly well so in this case they chose rwe i believe because they're still operating some coal plants so that's one of the reasons. And another reason is just because they were working with German lawyers who are familiar with the judicial system mm. in Germany and the laws there. Um, but I think, yeah, it's totally in bounds to sue these American companies and all the other companies based around the world for the percentage of emissions that they would be causing. Right. So when you sue, like, what what are we specifically suing for? Are we is it funds or is it, like I I don't the the suit itself. Mm -hmm. Like I'm trying to understand what the logic is of suing the company. Are they having to pay for cleaner energy? Like, what is it specifically? Are mm -hmm. we trying to get out of the lawsuit? Right, right. So in some previous cases, there's been lawsuits that are like. Mm, the companies need to be held accountable and need to promise that they're going to lower their emissions. And there have been successful mm. lawsuits like that. But 
They say that this is one of the first lawsuits that's suing a company that's not even in the vicinity of the person's home who's hmm. suing. But the the lawsuit is for damages and protection. So, for example, to build a wall around the city so that flood water doesn't get in. Or if houses get destroyed, they should pay for that damage as well. So, But you can imagine like, mm. if everyone was to sue each like energy company that yeah. was causing emissions that affected us, that could be a lot on them. And it's quite interesting in this article. I mean, clearly people in these regions especially are suffering from the effects of climate change. But there's people from the UN and all these other companies mm. that are just saying like, uh, this is a direct quote from this Financial Times article. The rules about a company's obligations should be set by regulators and businesses should be sure that if they follow them in good faith, there's safe harbor and they won't be sued. So it's basically saying like the company should have this responsibility to just kind of go along and everyone will be fine. But clearly that hasn't happened yeah. ever in the past. That's literally their like their mode of operation. So, yeah. I'm just wondering what kind of precedent this sets for the future, because, you know, the whole idea of law is, you know, having cases that get ruled one way or the other, and that's setting the precedent for future cases that come forward. So if we are able to sort of set even some sort of minor precedent that suing a company for damages, you know, can result in a, you know, $20,000, I think you said it was, um, mm -hmm. setting, you know, a $20,000 case. Obviously, that's not a lot of money, but climate change affects everybody. And if one person has that kind of has sets that precedent of, you know, damages being done to my community, everybody in the community has has that same precedent. Everybody in the community has that same reasoning and everyone around the world has a very similar reasoning. So maybe as opposed to it being a singular greater sum, it's it's, you know, death by a thousand cuts where or death by like seven billion cuts. Mm -hmm. Where everybody on the planet is like, oh, we have a precedent to sue, you know, ExxonMobil for $20,000. Well, guess what? I'm about to get mine and run them out of business. Because you're right, you know, the idea that these companies are going to take it upon themselves to fix things, you know, they're not. They're going to just, they'll, they'll, they'll lobby to get the laws changed so that they don't fix it before they actually fix anything. So I, I, I guess I'm curious. Do, do you think this kind of opens the floodgates for a bunch of other kind of small lawsuits to slow, kill these companies slowly? Mm. I think absolutely it does. And now this case hasn't been decided yet. They expect that there will be a conclusion next year. Right. And I think it definitely does open the possibility of it. But this case has had a research team collecting evidence for mm -hmm. so many months. Um, it's quite expensive. I mean, sure. they've been fundraising through like a grassroots effort and crowdfunding and that sort of thing. So I think it sets a really important precedent, but there's still a lot of obstacles for right. the everyday person to be able to sue a big company. But I also wonder if, as this gets more common, there will be more infrastructure for us as citizens yeah. to use the, that ability. Yeah, I think just like precedent sets the you know sets the path for law to be decided without all the extra like litigation. Similarly, you know, we set a a kind of a tactic to how we do our research into these things, what information is most needed, and kind of allow us to fast track finding the proper information to nail down these companies for what they've done. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. I, I was saying earlier, like, I, I am skeptical that this could ever work in America because of the Donzinger story. And just like, we, we, we usually don't even find stories in U.S. like corporate media that criticize corporations like to the degree that, you know, the, the corporations would not approve of. So like the idea that the Supreme Court down through like the U.S. justice, justice system would allow something that completely dismantles these corporations, I feel like is wishful thinking. But you did like find these examples where citizen suits have effectively been used in the U.S., right? Mm-hmm. Right. So I'll just read a few examples. So in Washington, a citizen suit like this forced dairies to clean up after the clean up the sewage from thousands of cows that seeped into local aquifers, polluting the community's drinking water. In Texas, there is a successful suit against Exxon for contaminating the air with 10 million pounds of pollution. Um, and then Ohio, there is another case where citizens sued an airport for illegal discharges of fluids into streams and creeks. Mm. And then that also led to a lot of other citizen suits against airports for the same reason. So, yeah, those were some successful instances. I think they're quite interesting because they're they're very local. Like, yeah, maybe the Exxon one is a bit different, but they're very local. I think it's different to sue a company that's all the way across the world. Yeah, that Texas yeah. Exxon one, because you were, you were saying in your notes that that was the largest penalty resulting from a citizen suit in U.S. history. Like, that, it'll, it'll be interesting to, like, dig into that and figure out, like, did they actually get them to pay? Did they just yeah. sue the lawyer of the uh, of the citizens who were suing, like in the uh, Donzinger Chevron Ecuador case? Mm-hmm. But yeah, what can you talk about the the like countersuits, the, yeah. the slaps, <laughs> the appropriately named slaps? Yeah, like can you believe this? So <laughs> basically, when companies face these citizen suits. They launched this thing, which is a strategic lawsuit against public participation. And the acronym for that is a SLAP. So mm-hmm. they just slap these people who are suing them. And it's um, not a punch. It's not a punch. <laughs> it's you just know, a it's slap. Just a, just a, just a slap. light little... Like a Rick James slap? Yeah, just a light little <laughs> slap across the mm-hmm. face. <laughs> just the most disrespectful way that you can deal with criticism. <laughs> like, I don't even... I challenge yeah. you to a duel. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, so... A slap is basically like, <laughs> let's let's say Jack is suing me because I'm a polluting company. Mm-hmm. I'm worried that Jack is giving me bad publicity. So instead, I sue Jack for libel, defamation, and like maybe say that he's lying. And so then when I have my millions and millions of dollars um, spent on this legal case against Jack, who only has, you know, a tiny bit of money to sue me. He's maneuvering all his resources away to protecting himself instead of continuing to sue me and expose me and show the rest of the world, like, how damaging my actions are. So then Jack has effectively, you know, if he fights my slap, he counter slaps me. Mm -hmm. And that is becoming (laughs) even more and more common. But as you can see, it's just kind of a big distraction from the actual problem. I mean, in the U.S., everyone is suing everyone for everything. 
And this is just an extension of that, where instead of focusing on the actual existential threat at hand, it's slaps and counterslaps and more counterslaps and just keeps going and going. Yeah. So yeah. in the U.S. also, we have a long history of the corporate media like telling these stories and, and then they become urban legends. But this, the urban legends that we hear about corporations, bad shit to people and people suing them are often treated at, like the everybody knows the McDonald's story. A person spills hot coffee on themselves mm. and sues McDonald's. And it's always it, it had traditionally been held up as a story of, you know, how the legal system is out of control and, and you know, just lazy, greedy people can just use the court to sue and get the thing. And the truth is that, like, that that person was burned very badly and McDonald's was yeah. serving their coffee at certain locations at a temperature that was actively, like, really harming people. And it was incredibly important that they started regulating that. And the thing that got them to start regulating that was when people started suing them. But the way, I just feel like, America is so thoroughly steeped in corporate like policy, corporate culture that even even stories about people suing corporations for doing them harm are treated as are, are like reframed. And I, I don't have any evidence that like Bloomberg and the New York Times conspired with McDonald's to like make that the story. But I just feel like it's, you know, America's immune system like attacks mm -hmm. anything that is like remotely mm -hmm. left wing or mm -hmm. uh, right. has any anti-corporate bias like and immediately like turns it on itself. Like it's almost like the singularity has happened and it is capitalism. Yeah. And just one other thing about this case is that there's, yeah, in this case, it's kind of an individual versus a company and they're both outside the U.S. And yeah, the U.S., as you said, is just a whole different beast. But for some even, you know, much smaller countries that are just at the verge of being underwater, they're thinking, how can we use this precedent that's being set? Like, can we sue big countries and rich nations uh, that have a lot of polluters and profit from these companies' actions? And yeah, and or can we sue the companies directly? Rich nations in 2009 promised to give developing nations $100 billion a year by 2020 to mitigate damage from climate change. But this goal hasn't been met, and it's also vastly inadequate. So that's kind of a big issue. But there's these small island nations like Tuvalu and Antigua mm -hmm. and Barbuda. And if the seas just rise a little bit more, they'll literally be underwater. So I mean, they could potentially get help by just, again, suing these companies or suing the richer nations for not fulfilling their promises. And that could just literally save entire countries. So, yeah, I mean, I think the U.S. system is bureaucratic and complicated and insensitive, as is the global system and how wealthier nations take advantage of poorer nations uh, and don't give them, don't fulfill promises, don't give them the help that they deserve after just long legacies of colonialism. So, yeah, they just marry each other in that sense. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I did this, this piece has given me a lot of hope and, you know, I think a lot of my skepticism about the U.S. system is like that 
traditionally it's been headed by a Supreme Court that is for the past, you know, century very pro corporations. But that's going to change as people, as like countries start disappearing <laughs> under the ocean, like entire nations. I do feel like public opinion on, on these sorts of things will change and this will eventually be, be a way to, to go about attacking these companies and making them like be part of the solution. Or mm-hmm. I don't know if they'll ever be part of the solution, but at least right. making them fuck off and leave. Mm-hmm. Stop contributing to the problem. Just slap them away. Just slap them away. Slap them away. Just, uh, <laughs> nice. But that is, like, I feel like the slap is intentional, right? Like they've <laughs> created that to be like, oh, it's all just, we're just involved in a little slap fight here. It's like, no, you are. <laughs> a, an entire side of a mountain fell off and created a horrifying landslide that destroyed entire villages. You, you monsters. Yeah. Anyways. You monsters. Can people are dying. Yes. Mm-hmm. Actively, right now. Actively, yeah. Well, Trisha, great having you on. Thank you for uh, bringing the story to us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And we'll we'll have you back soon. Great. All right, uh, we're gonna Bye, take Trisha. a break, and then Bye. we're gonna come back and talk about uh, those sea lions that oh, yes came at people. That wasn't that wasn't on the list, but it, it is now because I, I have watched the video and it is awesome. Yes. So, the the other way that nature is fighting back. Ah, there we go. I there knew it was go. coming. I was going to say yes. The way nature's fighting back. Uh, and we yeah. talked. I think somebody said safe harbor before. Well, this is no safe harbor, people. Mm. This is an unsafe harbor of seals. Now they're sea lions. Shit. No, you're doing all right. Well, we'll you're doing great. We'll work on that. We'll be back. Hey, fam. I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, a daily podcast from Hello Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Every weekday, we bring you conversations with the culture makers who inspire us. Like our recent episode with Hollywood royalty Regina and Raina King. We talked about the creative power of women's relationships. I feel like, thank God for women, like, especially when it comes to Black women. The way we lean on our mothers, our grandmothers, our sisters, our friends, we're just each other's pulse. I mean, it's molecular, you know? Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. 
oldest girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. And Daniel, I will yes. I will leave it to you. You you brought this clip to the the dock. And joyfully I did because as as Trisha so so brilliantly pointed out, we are doing our best to fight against the things that are directly affecting our climate with uh, lawsuits and protests and everything we can do. And Trisha, thank you so much for that incredible story. But let me tell you, nature is taking it into their own hands. The sea lions are Earth revolting. Yep. Mm-hmm. And thank you very much. I appreciate that. <laughs> hands, little, that was a little human-centric, and I apologize mm-hmm. to all of our animal listeners for that one. But uh, our era as alpha predators is grinding to a halt. Pack up your bags, humans. The sea lions have decided our time is over. But yes, so uh, this footage that many have seen, it was a very viral video that was on the internet. Uh, on that Twitter, on the Instagram, even on the TikTok, potentially footage from a La Jolla Cove in San Diego, two sea lions chasing people down off the beach, some people grabbing their stuff and heading for the hills, others just kind of gently scooting out the way. The sea lions were not exactly like moving super fast, but they were moving fast enough that people were like, oh, 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 and kind of uh, making their way out of the beach. They seemed to uh, be, it it looked like it was a concerted like pre-planned military sweep like the way they came and they were like in parallel and Mm -hmm. just moving across the beach and it was yeah in sync Mm -hmm. 
It was in sync. Mm-hmm. They were saying bye, bye, bye to all the beachgoers <laughs> right there. Thank you very much. Okay, yeah. so now there's two perspectives on the story, and I want to throw them both out there. So one of them comes from a spokesperson from SeaWorld, classically canceled SeaWorld, says this of the incident. You would really only notice if you watch a lot of sea lion behavior. Yeah, okay. But the fact that one jumps in the water and the other does so quickly after shows they are following one another. Nailed so I think it. what they're trying to do is is placate all the scared people who are like those sea lions, mm-hmm. all the pearl clutchers who are saying those sea lions came to attack me and SeaWorld's trying to say, oh, no, no, no. They were playing and just following each other around. Mm-mm. But that's a bunch <laughs> of baloney because if you go to the quote from our friend who actually filmed the incident, they say the sea lions were sleeping and were just massive on the beach and I was watching them and this woman got really close to them. Crucial note. This woman got really close to them, like four feet away, and was trying to take a photo of it up close, and it Mm-mm. just woke up and started chasing everybody. <laughs> and let me just so, say, that's I, it right there. This is um, SeaWorld once again. Just a quick note that, or sorry, uh, yeah, San Diego, uh, SeaWorld. Just a uh, yes, quick note that yes, they were yes. actually playing Duck, Duck, Goose. Ah, and, yes. Okay, yeah, yes. so she was the, uh, of she was the goose. They she were was duck the ducking. goose. After mm-hmm. her. The sea lions were completely on it. Big yeah, heads of duck They were just playing. It was just fun. No need yeah. to be worried. Come to SeaWorld. Have you seen the size of their teeth? Like, yeah. big. there is just something, right? Like, it's just something alarming about, like, I wouldn't even want to be. No. Yes. Like, they stink. Why would you get that close? Mm, this... she, whoever, they, everybody on that beach deserved it that day. Everybody could not agree more. This smacks of people's relationship with hippos. Hippos are one of the most dangerous animals in the world. They classically kill some of the most humans ever because people see them and they go hungry, hungry hippos. Ha 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 ha. Hippos are Mm -hmm. large. They are fast. They're dangerous. They will chomp you up. And sea lions may not be as fast or quite as large, but they are still big. They throw it around. They have teeth Mm -hmm. and they will get at you. And it's a little bit of like, what are you doing? What are you doing messing with nature, walking up to this gentle beast that, per this account, was sleeping on the beach, literally could have just left it alone, but then someone decides to go up because they want to snap a selfie, trying to get the content, and Mm. they get what's coming to them. Frankly, it is deserved. That's all I got to say about that. Don't fuck with the animals. Truly, hippos hippos are up there. Yeah, they are. Hippos, 500 people killed a year, and... You know, dogs are up there as well. True. Which the nature of the amount of dogs around, of course. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's it's cuteness. It's the yes. cuteness is the danger. Like people are like, oh my God, a hippo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like no. they're they're picturing the hippo it fr- the hippos from uh Fantasia in mm. tutus, mm-hmm. like dancing exactly. and being fun fun little goofs. And yeah. yeah. We really need to leave animals alone. Yes. Like, I, I'm just, I'm happy that, you know, our elephants are getting their time. Ooh, yes. Sea lions. We have hippos that are checking people. Mm. I'm just happy that that, that so, somewhere out there, you know, Simba and his father said, get these people together. And I'm here <laughs> for it. I am so here for it. Mm. I would love to imagine that Mufasa appeared in the clouds above those sea lions and said, it is your time take the beach (laughs) and they were like Mufasa's right we gotta do this thing 
I think the thing that's taking me down is the fact that when I saw them galloping, yes. it was like they were sweeping the beach. Like, it literally. Was like, exactly. It was like, they literally <laughs> were sweeping the beach. Like, get out of here. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, it, I can't, I can't. Yeah. They weren't like, we want one of you gone. We want yeah. the mm-hmm. person who was trying to take a picture with me while I was sleeping gone. We want all of you systemically off this fucking beach right now and forevermore. Sea lions are tired of Karens, too. Yes, Mm -hmm. very. very Please take a video so your people see this shit, too. Okay? Yes. (laughs) Get the content. (laughs) Man, I'm just looking at the deadliest creatures worldwide by annual number of human deaths as of 2018. Okay. Snakes, I'd I'd say, are the, you know, mosquitoes have the most, 750,000. Well, snakes just... are at a hundred thousand. Snakes Snape are snakes? Wow. as advertised. Snakes, no. you know. I think yeah. people are like, well, it's not, snakes aren't that bad, but there's a Mm-mm. there's some bad snakes. You know, I think I think those snakes fall into the category of like ever present, but you don't think about it, especially with mosquitoes. Mosquitoes, especially, it's like carrying that malaria everywhere. You're like, oh right, I guess they do kill a bunch of people and snakes everywhere as well but then you line it up against more like classically like dangerous animals like shark attacks or like lion attacks you're like these are these big ferocious beasts that are out there in the world maybe killing like a couple people like very rare to see a shark attack six very rare for a shark attack even though they're some of the most like deadly animals in the world but then you get a hippo and a hippo is just outclassing your lions and your tigers, your bears, oh my, by a large extent. And it's like, you have to give Mm -hmm. hippos, sea lions, the credit they deserve. They are, they deserve their space. So give it to them. Something called assassin bugs, 12,000. I don't even know what that is, but that, Hmm. I guess we should have known with that name. Sounds dangerous. That scares me. But yeah, I mean, sharks are definitely the number one threat, animal threat based on movies. Oh, 100%. They're at the very bottom of the list. That's good. That's good shark PR, honestly. We need to get that in the mix. Yeah. Swim oh. the sharks. They killed the least people. Mm. We've been wow. we've been trying. But <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, let's talk about Bloomberg, Bloomberg's top cities for singles to relocate to. And it's a list of 10. The number one city is Wichita, Kansas, followed by Austin, also on the list, San Antonio, Houston, and Dallas, all in the top 10, Mm. as Milwaukee. So we've got five states that are in reliably, like, deep red states. Mm -hmm. Five cities that are in reliably deep red states. Mm -hmm. It feels like an article that was made 20 years ago, maybe. But we can't move to especially single people can't move to reliably red states like Kansas or fucking Texas like now that yeah they don't have autonomy over their own bodies like what mm. what are you it's it, it, when you read the article it's all based on rent price <laughs> literally like, i was going to say this yeah. is literally one metric here and it is rent price yeah yeah and they also advertise Wichita Kansas as halfway between Manhattan and San Francisco as if it's like ooh, a convenient waypoint between these two huge cities we're talking in the middle of an enormous country it's like well you can take a three-hour flight in either direction to get to these right. places like that's yeah. not half, right. halfway between what and what come on yeah. now mm-hmm. love and that, I, they for, they also forgot to say you have to be white mm-hmm. because right. I'm like a lot of these you, places are not safe 
for marginalized or minoritized people. And so, like, seeing that, I'm looking around going, "Uh, I wonder what the violence number looks like there. Yeah. Yeah. So. You know, I I do want to, like, specify, like, not saying give these states or these cities up for, like, like, I think that has been a big reaction to the Roe thing is, like, we'll just Mm -hmm. move. Right. And, Just you know, move. that's not a not a solution. Shout out to Wichita, which held a rally this weekend for a August election that's going to determine if the Constitution outright bans abortion. Mm-hmm. And the turnout was very inspiring. But just that, that that is not mentioned once in a thing where the title of the article and the main thing is like, this is where singles should go to mingle. <laughs> it's like, what? Huh? Wait, have, have, hmm. Okay. (laughs) All right. And finally, there's an article in the takeout about someone coming to the terms uh, with her favorite form of burrito consumption, discovering that it's not just her. And I want to just I want to invite listeners to share their own so that we may find help you find your people. But so the the form of burrito consumption (laughs) in question involves creating a hole in the tortilla, sucking mm. the insides mm. out until it's just like a flaccid tortilla, like an empty yes. sleeping bag. like Gogurt style. Yeah, <laughs> Gogurt style. style. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the, it made mm. me think of Vincent D'Onofrio's Edgar in Men in Black, minus the part where <laughs> he wears around the skin of so violent. his prey. Yeah, imagine you suck down your burrito and then put the burrito skin over your face. You're like, right. I am the burrito. They don't mention if that is part <laughs> of the process that they yeah, do yeah. with their burrito. So we, we don't know, but I'm guessing not. That's just the Buffalo Bill style activity you do after the fact. You don't tell anybody about that, but you're in your, you know, you're in right. your bedroom. Burrito, man. You have the burrito over your face. Mm. Would you eat me? Right. Or eat me. Yeah, yeah. I Something eat like that. Me. I eat me so hard. <laughs> But I don't know. I so I've talked about how I Big Mac my Oreos to get the perfect cream to cookie ratio. That's, the, that's just smart. The so Oreos, regular Oreos, not mm. sweet enough for me. <laughs> um, so I have to. I, I have st- like three cookies per mm-hmm. two creams when you Big mm. Mac your Oreo. Yeah, and that is something I do quietly when nobody else is around. I'm not like at a party Big Mac and my Oreos. Totally proudly but i do it yeah there you go you do mm-hmm. and i said i do oh, okay you're like i, I am don't. that person that i have no shame no i've no, not thought about it that way but i i do it i have no shame in eating things the way i want to eat things thank but, you yeah jack i support that thank do, you be, be stand in your oreo-ness yes. stand yes. in it that means we, yes. so much we need more parties where we actually have collections of snacks that people can modify to their own liking. It's all yeah. meat and cheese plates. And it's like, that's fine. But like, how are you going to do, you know, meat and cheese a little differently? You're not going to be like, well, actually, I wrap the cheese around the meat. And it's like, oh, mm, yes. isn't that cool? It's like, no, give me a bunch of Oreos. Give me a big old thing of sour cream. I don't know. Get some pretzels. <laughs> like, yes. you know, just just mix all get a whole bunch of snacks in there. Be like, how do you do this kind of stuff? Because it's all about how we approach these snacks differently that makes them fun mm-hmm. and gives everybody an opportunity to, you know, consume in a fun manner. Mm. I'm just trying to think of. By fun. the way, Oreos are vegan. 
Yeah, by the they way. are. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah, yeah, they stopped with the uh, animal lard at some point. Mm-hmm. Love that. Good for Oreos. Daniel, did you say you had your own? I do have my own weird eating habits that I've talked about many times before. My favorite is my consum- my consumption of hummus and goldfish. Uh, I will take my my spoonful. I'll have a bowl of hummus or just the hummus receptacle itself. Shout out Trader Joe's. And I'll get a bowl of goldfish. I'll take my spoon and take a spoonful of hummus and then just dip that spoonful of hummus into the bowl of goldfish and make myself a little goldfish hummus lo- hummus lollipop and just mm. um, eat like that little goldfish bomb. Goldfish sprinkles is. on a hummus mm. lollipop. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. And, you know, some people are like, what? But let me tell you something. No better way to consume those two things at the same time. You get a good amount of crisp, a little bit of that cheesy flavor, the salt mixed in with the hummus. How else are you going to get those things? You can't be taking a little goldfish and dipping it in the hummus, getting yeah. hummus all over your fingies there. And then you got to do that gross, like nom, 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 licking your fingers while you're doing it. Yeah, It's safe, it's sanitary, and it's a great way to consume hummus with goldfish. And um, mm-hmm. I will be mm-hmm. taking questions yeah. now. <laughs> you are correct. That is that is Thank the you. correct way to eat those two things in combination. I think Thank other you. people would claim, well, I just don't eat them then yeah. together. Mm-hmm. That's but that's a, they're lying. I they're have lying. eaten them together and I have gotten the hummus on the fingies and Bam. it's not great. It's not, not great. a proud moment. I will say also, like with chips and salsa, yeah. it's the only way to eat the bottom of the chip bag with the salsa is to oh, yeah. spoon of salsa drop the chip crumbles on the top and then eat it like cereal or mm-hmm. or full on cereal it and just pour the rest of the bag into the slowly lessening receptacle of salsa and just oh. you know scoop out yeah i can't get on eat board with, with that unfortunately I, I, well you know what then we are on different planes but let me tell you something when my chip bag gets low i'm dumping it into the bowl with the hum- with the hummus or the salsa or whatever it's mm. going down. I'm scooping it out with a spoon. I'm eating it. It's going down. It's going down. That's it's it. going down. For real. All right. Online. Well, Zeit Gang, this is, this is a call to arms. Let us know any, any food consumption habits that you are, you know, ashamed of that you don't want to share with the world. You can uh, feel free <laughs> to remain anonymous <laughs> or that you're not ashamed of. Uh, but just, you know, let's, let's find our people. You know, mm. let's let's share with the world. Find your well, people. John, truly a pleasure having you. Where can people you. find you, follow you, all that good stuff? Well, when I'm not stocking my uh, local Krispy Kreme, you, <laughs> Hell can yes. find, <laughs> you can find me on social media by using the handle at Dr. John Paul. You have to spell doctor, D-O-C-T-O-R. J O N P A U L and yeah, that's um I'm and my website www.drjohnpaul.com. Yeah, yeah. And where can they hear you one more time? Yeah, you you can hear me every Tuesday starting yeah. today on the Black Fat Femme podcast, a production by iHeartMedia. I love saying that. And it is, uh, yeah, it's gonna gonna be in your ear. So yeah, I'll be on the on the podcast there. And uh, I'm just really excited. And thank you so much for having me. This has truly been a dream come true. Oh, amazing. Well, it was so wonderful having you. Is there a tweet or some of the work of social media that you've been enjoying? Uh, yes. So I, uh, <laughs> some other work. I love it. Account, also a good friend of mine, Risha tweeted, People be like, believe in yourself, then be like, 
but not that much. <laughs> I, <laughs> I thought that that was just genius. Yeah. So that's really the only tweet that has really made me go, you know what? I see it and I, 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 I support it. I love it. Mm. Mm. DJ Dano. Yes, sir. Thank you again for all your guest hosting service. Jeez. Oh, Always a pleasure. Thank Where you. can people find you and follow you? And is there a tweet that you've been enjoying? You absolutely can. And there's two tweets, but you can follow me at DJ underscore Daniel. That's D-A-N-L on all the social medias and especially on Twitch, where I like to embarrass myself three times a week, Wednesdays, Fridays and Sundays. I hope you sure do come through. It's a lot of fun. We do the streaming thing there. And I have two tweets. Uh, one is related to the whole Shinzo Abe thing where they were uh, accidentally accusing Hideo Kojima, the uh, brilliant game designer, of being the one that killed Shinzo Abe. And the tweet is, Hideo Kojima gets accused of assassinating Shinzo Abe and he's probably just watching the 4K release of Flubber or some shit. <laughs> and that is facts. That dude is a movie nerd and he was for sure in the middle of watching Minions Rise of Gru and was like, what? <laughs> Anyway, and the uh, second tweet is from Vinny Thomas at V-I-N-N underscore A-Y-Y. I love Vinny Thomas. And the tweet is, when a goldfish has a castle and a treasure chest, okay, dynastic wealth. <laughs> <laughs> love Vinny Thomas. Anyway, yeah. okay. Uh, and, and that's me. And I hope, right. you, uh, hope you have a great rest of your day. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. I've been enjoying a couple tweets. Icy Hot Patch tweeted, Sorry, I can't hang out. I have to itch the mosquito bite on my ankle until I reach bone. <laughs> Hannah Joe <laughs> tweeted, uh, I'm going Elvis mode. Parentheses, about to die on my toilet. And <laughs> that's so people good. are funny. Uh, people, people are, are the best. funny. People oh, and then the uh, Andrew Nado, N A D E A U, uh, at the Andrew Nado, Nado. I. I should learn how to pronounce this person's name because I read their tweets very often. They're very mm. funny. Tweeted, people are like, we know less about the deep ocean than the moon. Good. Have you seen what's down there? It's terrifying. <laughs> we should know as little about it as possible. The entire reason to go to space is to get farther from the ocean. <laughs> uh, which I think is a good funny. A good response to that. That is good. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes. Footnotes. Where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as a song that we think you might enjoy. Super producer Justin, what is a song that you think people might enjoy that we can link off to on the footnotes? All right. Well, we all know uh, that we are fans of Hiatus Coyote at this mm. podcast, but mm. I want to recommend a track from Napalm, uh, the lead Ooh. singer of Hiatus Coyote. Uh, she's doing like an acoustic R&B thing here. And it's rare you listen to a song for the background singers and the way she plays off of them. It's it's unbelievably uh, soulful. John, I know you are not a fan of, of listening to white women, but there are exceptions to every rule. <laughs> this woman is inspired by soul and North African music. And mm. man, you can tell um, her background singers are just incredible. And this is a song called Crossfire Backslash So Into You, because halfway through the song, the whole band switches to a different track by Tamia uh, featuring Fabulous, yes. the smash hit uh, So 
into you uh, and it's it's an incredible melding of these two tracks and uh, yeah you can find this song in the flip notes oh, that's no. once again napalm crossfire backslash so into you in fact i love this song so much i may have recommended it before and you know you guys can feel free to let me know in the discord because i won't read it and i love the song <laughs> anyway and you guys can check it out again and enjoy yourself there you go and you can thank me all right. Well, the daily is that you guys is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That is going to do it for us this morning. We're back this afternoon to tell you what is trending, and we will talk to you all then. Bye. 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 Here's something you might not know about wireless. Sometimes what you see isn't what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 per month, taxes and fees included. Switch now at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at, at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.